friends, welcome again to the podcast and uh, we are really excited this week to be able to introduce Keith to you. As you listen today, I'm sure that you will be encouraged and blessed as we hear someone who's been on the journey for a number of years and God has plucked out of the offices of Auckland into a journey of mission and now is standing back and looking at what God is doing in the nation of Thailand. And uh, it's, it's quite exciting. Um, Keith, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here, Dave. Keith, as we uh, jump into this podcast of what God is doing in Thailand, let's jump into the person first. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, well, uh, it's, it's quite a story. I mean, I'm uh, 65 years old coming up this year, so a uh, bit of a longer journey than some probably. And um, I, I guess I always had missions in my heart from when I was first a Christian. Um, in fact, I used to get the Operation World Book, which used to come out every new editions of it, and, and I'd devour it. And my friends would sort of tease me that I that I constantly had my nose in that book. But um, but I, I worked in a very different world of, of financial services and. Uh, and so for a number of years, I was uh, I was driving into Auckland City, going up the lift into my office, into the office, and talking with the people who had large portfolios. But my heart was absolutely to go out into mission. God had put it there for a long time, but He had to do a lot of work in me first, and that was something I hadn't. I would have leapt into it way too soon, and and God has to do a lot of prep in us, doesn't He? And so. Mm. He did that uh, graciously over a period of years, before, and I'm very glad that you know we we my wife and I, Joy and I didn't get into missions till we were about in our early fifties, which is unusual. Mm. But I, I think that was it was God's perfect timing, and that's something we can really testify is just how God's timing is perfect. Hmm. Uh, really exciting to see, and um, there was someone who coined the term half timers, and um, you know they they do they do a career path, and um, and there's a lot that gets poured in into that person over that time of uh, uh, the wisdom of of work and hard work and diligence, the work ethic, but also um, uh, walking with God for a number of years in the workplace, and suddenly God says, "Great, now I've prepared you. Now it's your time." Really exciting. How did God call you then out of that situation into uh, a different nation and a, a totally different um, world? Yeah, well, it was it was definitely his working that uh, we were in a small church in the north of Auckland and the pastor had been exposed to some church planning movement training over in Singapore and came back and was convinced that uh, this is the direction the church needed to take. Wow. And so that the church was split into house churches and so for us this was a real radical idea i mean we weren't we never had that exposure before so that was about 20 odd years ago and then um at the same time i've got a good friend john and he was on the board of a missionary who was in asia and he was teaching church planning movements in fact he'd been to that same training himself quite separately and so my friend John said, oh, well, if your church is into this, you've got to meet Steve. He's in town at the moment. Hmm. So we had one of those fateful meetings where I sat down at a restaurant with John and Steve. And and so we were kind of getting the, the CPM, my mission movement, the movement thinking in hmm. stereo. Hmm. I mean, we had our church doing it. 
we had Steve talking about it. And uh, so God really exposed us to this whole way of thinking before we went overseas. And that was just his, totally his doing. We couldn't have orchestrated that. Um, and, and because that is, in fact, what we were led into once we went offshore, that, that, was, that was, we started to train people in, the, in these concepts. Mm. That's amazing. So um, what was the moment where you just said, man, I've got to put in my resignation letter. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. That's very interesting. Yeah, well, there was a moment. There was one night I was at, we were thinking about these things. Um, I opened the Word of God and, and it talked about the year of Jubilee. Jesus got up, read from the scroll and, you know, and, and, and there was the mention of 50 every 50 years. And I was just coming into my 50th year. Wow. And it just this, these words just leapt off the page. And I thought, well, hey, we're, I'm in May. In July, I turned 50. And um, it was actually on, on that very week of, of my birthday that I gave my notice to my work. I said, this is, this is the time. And, and uh, everyone was so gracious about it. I thought they would be because I'd worked there a long time and I thought they would be a bit kind of concerned, but they said, look, if this is what you feel, yeah, get into it. So God's favor was just so on it. And in fact, the very day I left that work, I hadn't planned this date, was the date that the company had changed its name. Uh, they were moving to a new building on, on the Monday and I left on the Friday. So it was just God's amazing timing that I left at that, at that moment in October and then away we went. Wow! Wow, that's that's quite an amazing story, Keith. I I didn't I didn't know that. And uh, yeah, the year of jubilee, just fantastic. So you you kind of resigned. God really spoke to you. It was the 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 half timer um, who's God's just been preparing and sowing into the ground and and developing you. And then suddenly says it's time. What happened then? What happened then? Well, we, we kind of had this seven-week trial period, although I think we knew this was it, but we just kind of went there. I and mean, a big deal for us was that we have a special needs daughter, and at that stage she was uh, uh, in her late teens, and she came with us. And we've often found on the journey that you'll get a little, uh, some opposition just before things are going to happen. And so we had a very experienced Thailand missionary tell us it won't work to take your daughter to Thailand, that's not going to go down well locally. Um, you know, I can't see this being being successful. So we had these kind of doom, doom filling words in our ears. But, you know, actually, God just I think we had a special grace because of our daughter that that first year, we just sensed that we were almost like on one of those airport travelators just going along and it was just all happening around us. And it was just all put in place. We had a a house to rent. I mean, we were green. We'd never lived out of our country, New Zealand, and all of this, all of our lives. So this was a totally new thing. And even a Thai special school opened up for Kimberley. It didn't cost us anything. We never expected that. And uh, so that was the positive part. So that first year, and we, we started to work with this guy I mentioned, Steve, who, you know, he very graciously sort of worked with us as associates and started to open up opportunities to share uh, these training, this, this church planning movement training in, 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 in several countries. So he was very gracious to us. But the downside of that first year was that we hit the global financial crisis in 2008. 
And so we had some funds put aside from our house. We had to sell our house and that was kind of looking good when you could get 8% interest. We could live off that and suddenly everything just collapsed. The interest rates went down, the currency dropped. So, but God also had that sorted because uh, we suddenly people started to support us. We didn't actively seek support because we didn't know what we were doing. We were like Abraham, you know, just going out not knowing where he was going. Uh, it was just knew that God was in this. And, you know, we we were really surprised that support came in. So God had it sussed. I guess that's our testimony is, you know, if God says to go, he'll work out the details, even though it's not what you expect. Wow, that's amazing. Just tell us what happened after that. You went you went there for the first year and and uh, God was with you, providing for you. But let, bring us on the ground. What was it like in Thailand? What was the challenges and what happened? Well, we found really that in the for the first few years that Thailand was really just a place that we were meant to be. It was a very central place in Asia, as as you, most people would know. Very easy to travel to other places, and the doors that opened for us were actually not in Thailand. So we were going to South Asia, East Asia, and um, sometimes we were sharing in Bible schools, sometimes with church leaders, and. We were just sharing the movement thinking, church planting movement. That was what we knew at the time. Mm, mm. And um, we didn't for a while really know exactly what 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 we were doing in a sense. But we knew to do these trainings, but where, where does it lead? But that scripture in you know, 1 Corinthians 3, 6, you know, I sowed the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. And, and, you know, we, we had words, prophetic words, and they, as, as the years went by, you were seed sowers. So we were throwing out seed, and, you know, some of it fell on hard ground, <laughs> certainly. Mm. Some on, on the rocky or the thorny ground. But, you know, sometimes the, the, the soil was good soil. And, you know, so we just, that was how God led us. We, we, we hadn't orchestrated doing things in this way. Um, so we had to understand we were just there mainly to sow seeds in the early years. And later on, we had work that opened up in, in Thailand. But um, one really encouraging, I could, if I could share a story, um, we had uh, an opening in an underground Bible school in an East Asian country. And this is a region, you know, that had um, several hundred people groups in it. I mean, it's a vast region, many unreached. So we were, we had an annual slot in this six-month course and we just we had our week there and we would taught movement uh, stuff. And they were very young people. Um, but often you would get five or six different people groups in the course in, in, out of about 20 people. So it was encouraging to think, well, wow, this is, this is going, potentially going into a number of people groups. But there was one time we had an older guy who, who came in and he didn't like it. So the first day we had this these objections, and that's always challenging, isn't it, when you someone's uh, saying, they, he basically said, I've heard this stuff before, it doesn't work. But he kind of quietened down as the week went by. And then a year or two later, when we went up there again, we were taken down country to his, and we happened to go to his area. Hmm. And we went up this very um, scary road, uh, I must say, it was uh, hundreds of feet and uh, up and just a, a very, very narrow path. And um, up there, he he was actually opening a new church building, which kind of wasn't what we were teaching at all. But 
at the same time, he said, oh, no, I remember your training. And in fact, there's a, and he pointed over and said, there's a group over here. that oh, They're not going to join us. They're, they're, they're kind of meeting separately. There's another group over those hills. I realized that's the best way of doing it. And we thought, oh, wow, he did get some aspects of what we were teaching. And um, on that trip, God gave me a very clear picture. I woke up in the morning of a whole mosaic of faces, just so many faces. And it was just like, I felt, wow, this seed that we've sown, it's going to be a fruit here. And God has confirmed that in later years. So we have no idea. This country has become very restricted. This Bible school wouldn't exist now because everything's been clamped down on very heavily. In fact, we've had that in more than one country, just sowing seed. And then we haven't been able to go back. So you just get the sense that we have to just pray, trust that some of it has fallen on the fertile ground and it, it will be a fruit later. So that's, I can encourage people, you know, we, we would like to be in control of all of what happens, but often you can't be and um, you just got to do the bit that God gives you to do and trust him for the, the outcomes, really. Awesome. Awesome. We were gathering in a cafe out in the west of Melbourne recently, um, just a couple of weeks ago, praying for the west of Melbourne. And um, we started in Scripture. We looked at the parable of the sower. And there were just a real a couple of things that really struck me out of the parable at that time. One was Jesus said, this is what the kingdom was like. If you understand this parable, you understand everything. And I thought, it's such a different paradigm because it's a seed being sown and a farmer going out to sow his seed. That's what the kingdom is like. We're not talking about gathering seed into a big barn and leaving it sitting in a barn. We're talking about spreading and multiplying seed. And as we go out, and then the seed has within every seed the kernel of the kingdom of God, a transformational nature to, to be planted. And while we can't see it, it looks so small, it's insignificant. When we plant the seed and step back, it's God who brings the growth. That's one of the parables straight after the parable of the sower. A man sows, he goes to bed, he doesn't know how it, how it works, but suddenly it springs up and produces this crop. And that, that transformational nature of the seed, and the seed is the word of God or the message of God or God himself being planted in into the hearts and the soil. Very, very powerful concept, transformative concept actually. And and that seed planting. Tell us a little bit more about Thailand and and what's happening out there. Well, I will do. Look, I just I'll just share because what you said is 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 absolutely what God showed us over those years was that that very principle. And that we we can't make a seed grow. You know, even a natural seed, you can you can provide the environment for it, but it's always a miracle when any seed germinates, isn't it? And um, yeah. So, but but talking about the word, you know, that was another big thing was that um, our training notes. So Steve had had a set of training notes, and we worked with him over the next few years to upgrade them. And just through a series of events, we we realised that there wasn't enough of the word of God in those notes. And so God started to show us things. Uh, you know, the whole the whole way that the seventy was sent out in the Luke in Luke ten. And the, the Great Commission, some of the aspects of that, the person, the man of peace, um, how God wants to use ordinary people, because that's a big thing in Asia that often ordinary people feel they, they're not empowered to do God's work. Um, and so we kind of put a lot of that stuff in the notes. And 
we actually had a word when we were out on a training, a great door for effective work has opened for me. And we felt that related to the where we were at the time, which was in um, quite a restricted country. But actually, we realized later that the door was the fact that we were sharing a lot more out of the word. Because all these movement principles, of course, that we, as we know, are in the word. Yeah. And... Um, and you know, often we in later years we would share, and 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 some very traditional leaders would say, "Well, I know this is all new to me. I don't know if I like it, but I can see it's in the Word of God, so I've got to listen to this." And um, so we that really did help a lot. And another amazing thing was we had people would come along and translate this when we would go to a new place into their own language. We didn't ask them to do it. Often you would expect people to say, well, can you pay me to do it? And we did do that once or twice. but So in the end, the notes got translated into about eight languages in Asia. And and some of those leaders said, oh, I use these to train others. In fact, one guy was apologetic. He said, uh, oh, you know, um, I hope you don't mind that I'm using your notes to train others. And I said, no, this is what we're all about. We, we're all about multiplying everything. You know, just go, go for it. So... Yeah, that was a big, a really big discovery in the early years was just if, if you show what's in the Word and there are people that want to obey the Word, then, then, then that's powerful. Anyway, yes, I haven't told you about Thailand yet, but yeah, so we were very blessed in uh, about 2014 it was, that it was a quite a pivotal year. We met a couple in northeast Thailand, which has got the local name as Isan, and it's a it's a large population, 22 million, and it's it's an area that if you go to you know, people go to Thailand on holidays, but you would probably never go to this region. It's on it's kind of just flat with lots of rice fields, but it's 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 kind of regarded as a backwater of Thailand, but an incredibly unreached. Like uh, uh, we met a missionary who lived there, and he reckons it's the most unreached place in the whole of the country. Mm. In fact, in the whole of East Asia, that's what he says, in the entire region of East Asia, and I'd believe it. So we went there, they they said, oh, can you do the training in our church, a small church? Um, so we kind of got through the first day, it was just a few people. The next day, the enemy just threw everything at us, really. There was kind of all sorts of disruption. People couldn't come for different reasons. Joy got sick and actually ended up in hospital Hmm. And we were only left with the pastor and his wife, and there were two young women there, and that was it. But the pastor looked at me with her fixed eyes and said, everything you said yesterday, tell me again. And I thought, well, it's unusual. I was going to go on to another part. but So we repeated it, and he was just fixated. So they were really men of peace for us. I mean, and we realized that a man of peace can be a spiritual person. You think of Cornelius, you think of Lydia. Hmm. So they they would this was just the time for them and and they are very apostolic, so they had this very small church that's all they had at that time but they've opened doors all, all over the place really uh, for this training um, we had a, a door opened into Laos and so we've had a pastor there has brought people over to Thailand and we've trained them and he's seen a great lot of people come to the Lord over a period of years he's had. Serious opposition. He's he bears the scars of an apostle. He's had time in prison, but he's just a great guy, and uh, he just keeps going. And so, even now and then, we see photos of baptisms, and it all looks pretty good. Um, but they've had a lot of opposition. Our friends, so I'll call them Daniel and Esther. They 
they uh, the opposition strangely has always been from churches and I'm not we're, we're not against churches but it's just different things have happened where people have come along and drawn people that they had a lot of growth in their region and then people have come along and siphoned off people into uh, other directions so they've 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 had a number of knockbacks but they really just keep going they they, they don't stop so uh, so we we've we've sown into their area and they have really in turn opened up uh, another region which is right over the other side of Thailand on the border with Myanmar mm. Mm. and so that's something that's happened more recently is uh, just uh, a real breakthrough amongst Burmese people mm. on the, over on the other side of the country so yeah another really exciting thing that's opened up more recently is that um, we had a uh, a training opportunity in northern Thailand about four years ago with a group of uh, Lahu tribal people. So it's one of the many tribal groups in, in northern Thailand and across into the other countries around. And uh, our friend Daniel is actually from that tribe. So he, he's, he's opened up a number of opportunities with Lahu people. But we had some very strange opposition, you know, uh, which I couldn't work out. Like uh, my uh, Esther, Daniel's wife, was... Uh, having a little nap and the the fan above her head caught fire and went went across the wall and unfortunately didn't cause too much damage but and then Daniel got a real bad fever and was in hospital and we thought this is really full-on stuff happening here and didn't seem to relate to the training because I don't know that the training was was really going to go places in this particular one but at the end of that training the pastor there said, I come from the border of Myanmar and right up near that border. Would you be able to come and share up there? And I thought, okay, well, I didn't know this area at all. But so we went up there a few times in the next year or two. And as we went back there on on trips, but the the churches there are very traditional. And and so initially it didn't seem to get a lot of traction. um, But... Uh, fortunately, we were helped that another another uh, an American evangelist went up there, and he he really moves in the spirit. And some of what they needed was just the Holy Spirit's uh, baptism, and that, uh, that helped them. Some of them received that, but unexpectedly, in the last six months, um, there's been a real breakthrough with Burmese people, which wasn't what we were thinking of at all, really. And a lot of them have fled the warfare that's going on over there, and it's quite fierce, actually, particularly right now. It's really bad. So uh, these have come over there, and of course they're really refugees. And so, like refugees, they don't uh, come over with virtually nothing. They're, they're in a very difficult circumstances. And um, there's been one or two key uh, people, uh, persons of peace, being being discovered by these pastors. And one of them just said, when we were up there in February, he said, "You know, when four years ago I had no idea about outreach." He said, "But." In November, God told me to reach the Burmese, and now I have baptized many people. And so he baptized one uh, person apiece who was a woman who was quite heavily uh, demonized. And uh, when she came free, she just shared with over 50 people. And so he he, he had a mass, mass baptism of people. And then there's another pastor that's also had mass baptism. So there's several hundred now being baptized up there. So we can see kind of the journey of how this has happened over the last four years. Not, not Once again, not what you expect, but God's been in it. And so our main concern at the moment is that the people perhaps are not being discipled. 
because they've kind of got the go and but to make disciples is perhaps still a learning for them so we're just praying you know and and fortunately uh, Esther's going to go up there for a few weeks again and, and try and get them more focused on how to disciple and how to multiply what's happening but it's just been really cool to see what's what's going on up there so um, we give all thanks to God for that so good Keith so good and um in reflection, as you stand back and you look at it, and I understand that uh, there's some real breakthroughs now happening with that group in Isan, and there's this real um, movement starting to take place. Um, what do you? What have you learned? What are some of the big ideas that you have learned? You've alluded to a number of them already. Word of God being planted, uh, principles found in the Word of God, like the person of peace, like God using ordinary people. But as you stand back and look at it without, you know, trying to fit what you've learnt into the, the right words and structures, what are the big learns that you take with you looking back at the, this journey so far? Yeah, I, I think a, a big one of the big learns is that, you know, if God calls you to do something, then you can really trust that that's really all you need and at the end of the day if you sense god's direction if god is leading you to do something you can be really really confident that he's going to have a uh, the end result is going to be fruitful but it mm. it's unlikely to be in the way you think and that's certainly what we found it wasn't how, how we thought it would be and that's something you can really hang on to because we all have challenges as we go out and do stuff but mm. If you know God has said to do something, then you can be sure that um, he will do it. And it's usually the passage of time, isn't it, that, that you've got to be, we've got to have that patience. Uh, and going back to that seed sowing analogy <laughs> that, uh, you know, uh, it does take time for seeds to germinate. And we've had to be patient. Um, but, you know, we, we, we just now see some of that fruit coming through now. and And we know that you know when god leads you into something you can just trust trust his leading but the ordinary people has been a really big thing um we had a really wonderful moment in in uh, daniel and esther's area we were doing one of these trainings with them and some of the people there are just very simple humble people they 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 don't see that they have much to offer because the rest of thailand looks down on this area and and when we shared this concept once this woman just uh, i think we were sharing too how you know all authority is given in the name of jesus that's what it says in the great commission and this woman just leapt up and said you know i never thought god could use me to do anything wow and you know over the and she's actually a, a born evangelist and she over the years we even had a picture of her just lately and she just does quietly works away goes out shares shares uh, shares the word and brings people to the lord and um very humble lady but and we've seen the most unlikely people actually that god has used over these years and um we just learned never to judge where that seed's falling actually that that you just you just have to trust god that he will he will that that seed will bear fruit and it'll be probably where we don't expect it to be hmm. fantastic keith um, this is a, the unexpected question, the curveball question. Yeah. So you're back in New Zealand. What does that look like? Is this stuff just for out there, for Thailand? What about 
our home, Australia, New Zealand, America, Western Europe. These are so different. They're different kind of fields. How do you land what you learnt out there back here in these so-called uh, progressive cultures that we live in? Oh, that's a really good question, David. It is a, it is a curveball, isn't it? But it's a good curveball. Um, well, like we've been back five years now, and uh, but we we still have a very active involvement with Thailand and the work there. But we, I know my friend Steve, who launched us out all those years ago, he's passed on now. But he he had an ethos which we totally bought into was that the best people to reach the local people are the local people, and it's probably more true of Thailand than anywhere actually, just with that culture. And so, of course, when we get back here. We are the local people. We can't <laughs> rely on the ones that are somewhere, you know, you do it. It's, it's, it, we, the, the spotlight comes on us, doesn't it? And it's been a real journey because uh, in terms of traditional ways of thinking about evangelism, I, I would rate that as my least gifting. I mean, I'm, I, I'm a teacher and that's my gifting. And so I just found that I, uh, I, I just get tongue-tied trying to do evangelism and what might be seen as a traditional way. So, but you know, a big head, heads up to Praxis really because when we came back is when we we discovered Praxis, I guess, through initially through Grant and then the one now the wonderful team that's here, Roger, Linda, Colleen. You know, we it was very helpful because one of the one of those Praxis videos you've got on your on your site is is the the you know having the um, conventional conversation and then a meaningful conversation and then a spiritual conversation and seeing that you know that that that's something I thought well you know that's something I can do I, I can converse and show that I'm a spiritual person and it, it takes so much pressure off because you start to see well it's God's it's only God who can lead someone to himself and and that's mm. that that mm. movement scripture you know that no one can come to God unless someone, you know, unless he's leading them. And so, you know, we, we, we went through quite a, a big learning. And, and, and uh, I guess th we, we found a, our own fishing pool here because we never expected to live in the suburb of Auckland. We're in South Auckland. We'd never lived in South Auckland. When I, in my former uh, way of living, we were up in the North Shore, which is a very sort of uh, middle-class white kind of area but here it's very ethnically diverse and so there's a local Sunday market and um, we just kind of started going down there a year or two ago and just really quite green at it but just starting to talk to people share with people and it's been so exciting um, learning things we've we learnt that we one thing we experimented with was was having um, scriptures or, or parables some of the Jesus stories, put them on a, on a, on a card. And, and so we, we just have sometimes handed out these, these, these stories and just said, hey, look, have a read of this story. And people do. You say, well, well, what is God telling you from that story? So you're kind of almost, you're kind of having a DBS without them knowing, really. And, um, and it's, been, it's been really cool. So we've got to know some of the storeholders and, if we don't go for a week or two, they say, oh, where have you been? We've been, we've been wondering where you were. How are you going all right? And, you know, I can't say anything really dramatic has happened, but we've certainly sown some seeds. And um, so we, we've, we've given out, 
one of the cards to a Muslim lady from Africa. Um, there's a disabled lady who comes regularly to the market and uh, she's got a cannabis addiction. She's got open about it. And, uh, and so we've shared stories with her, um, some young teens, quite a few people. And so we're still learning, actually. But And we're also blessed to live next to, well, quite close to a Muslim area, the main Muslim area in the city. And so I've had some really interesting discussions uh, with people there, too. So, yeah, it's, um, it's exciting. And, and we have that expectancy of harvest, you know, that... Um, we, I've learned not to say it's hard here because you know that's actually speaking out unbelief, really. Yeah. Um, but 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 I we get I get the feeling it's a new era. Just lately, just God's been speaking to us, and that you know uh, we've had that theme for our forty days here. You know, open your eyes. You know, the harvest is ready, and I have a feeling it is ready. And it's just a matter of but you've got to be out and engaged in it, or you won't see it. So. The challenges to engage. Wow, that's so encouraging, Keith. And um, we're super blessed that you're part of the team because um, you carry the deposit of what God has put into you over the years, and then also those years in Thailand. And suddenly you're you're sitting here, both investing back into Asia, and but you're also now squarely looking at your own culture, our culture, which is the Western style culture, going. Lord, do it here, and um, and we need to see it take place. So we're we're just super blessed. Um, why don't you finish our podcast off, Keith, and just with a word of encouragement for those who are listening? Yeah, well, uh, I would just encourage you. You know that um, that it is harvest time in the world. You know, just the reports you hear from all over the place that that we're in a time of unprecedented harvest, and you know that. Uh, I just believe if we just obedient, really, the whole obey, um, you know, the theology of obedience, which comes through so well with David Watson, it's uh, it's um, it's been a, been quite transformational for us just to come across that in the last few years. Um, so I think as long as we've got a heart to obey, God will use us in the harvest. Yeah, for sure. So, Lord, I just do pray. I pray, Lord, for those who are listening today, Lord, that you will just encourage them that God can use anybody. And Lord, and I've seen that over these years, Lord, that anyone who has a heart to obey, Lord, you are so well pleased to use them, Lord. And um, I just pray, Lord, that you will just open many doors wherever people are, Lord. And, and I pray for faith, Lord, that... This is the hour of harvest, Lord, that you will put that faith into the hearts of people that uh, you can use them to do your work.